Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Chase Masterson, founder of the Pop Culture Hero Coalition, and you're listening to Heroes 101 Radio. Radio, your Heroes 101 Radio, even. Man, not that bad. <laughs> Heroes 101 Radio, your one stop shop for a little uh, positivity and optimism. Uh, I, as ever, am uh, Spectre from the New York Initiative out here on the East Coast, and I'm joined by my lovely co hosts from the West Coast. Uh, tonight we've got more than usual. Uh, I'm joined, as ever, by the lovely rock and roll from San Francisco. Good evening, my dear. Good evening, my dear. Heroes 1, did we get promoted? Heroes 1. You know it's a okay. good start when you can't even get the name of the show right. I, uh, right. I blame, I blame <laughs> flying weather and other stuff. Um, and uh, as usual, we're joined by our good friend, the friendly neighborhood night bug on the soundboards. Good evening, sir. Sometimes I just don't understand human behavior. <laughs> wow. Me neither, dude. You know, Me neither. He does that because he knows what Star Wars nerds we are, Spectre. That's, you know... That's it. That's the whole oh, thing. Don't don't even don't even get me going on the new title. Let's let's not even I know. let's not even touch I on know. it. I know. Oh, t- another show. for another show. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I, I said we're a one-stop shop for positivity, positivity and optimism. But you know what? It's been a pretty damn good week for positivity and optimism. Um, our last show was about the Women's March and the Pussy Hat Project. Um, awesome guests on last week. They were all marching in Washington, D.C. Uh, last weekend. We had pretty much every member of the initiative, the group who are behind this radio show, marching in various demonstrations uh, over the weekend as well. So we're not going to bore you with tales of, uh, of that now. We're going to have a recap next week and... Uh, Talk about uh, what happened, you know, people's experiences on the march, and most importantly, what does that mean for us, and, and where do we go from here? So, check out next week's radio show for uh, for a bit more on that topic. Um, you know what, though, um, I started off last week's radio show with a quote from Carrie Fisher, and, and I've been I've been kind of obsessing about Carrie Fisher uh, since since she passed away, and well, long before she passed away, I guess, but uh, mm-hmm. obsessing more about her since uh, over the last couple of weeks, and and pretty much just devouring everything she's ever written. And uh, I came across an awesome quote from her that was pretty relevant to tonight's show, so I figured maybe maybe I'll, I'll follow in the trend from last week and start this show with a Carrie Fisher quote. Um, in in this one, and I'm kind of paraphrasing a little. I didn't write it down. Um, but she says, uh, in, in Hollywood, 
Um, all, you, all you seem to come across are people who deny themselves what they want, force themselves to do something they hate, and all to look an age that they're not, just so that on a rare occasion someone's going to say, oh, but I thought you were 30. And, uh, wow. Yeah, right? And you know what? We have... Um, we, we've had shows talking about fitness on here in the past, and we, we have some uh, some guests, regular guests, who are very much uh, very much in the fitness world and, and, and great, good for them. But we've never looked at the uh, the flip side of that coin. You know, how do you survive in in the world, and how do you how do you be happy in the world if you're not if you're not fit, and and if you're not well, you may be fit, but if you're not physically healthy looking, if you're if you're not that stereotype of the the lithe, skinny, skinny person. And I'll tell you what, for me personally, after two months of doing nothing, of being sat watching TV and eating and drinking beer, um, I, I'm, not, I'm not at my most buff <laughs> at this time of the year, I'll tell you that. Um, so <laughs> so the, I, I hope I've just kind of confused everyone setting, setting some bizarre scene as to what we're going to be talking about tonight. But first of all, I wanted to introduce our guest co-host for this evening, who not only is the head of the, the branch leader of the Washington Initiative out in Seattle and has been on the show numerous times for that reason. Um, her husband, James, is a, is a veteran who's been on the show a lot as well, talking about uh, veterans' care packs and some of the other, the other work we've been doing in that space. Um, but she's also the author of a blog called Bigger Expectations uh, around body, body positivity and uh, um, and so, yeah, I wanted to introduce Crystal Temper Marks from uh, the Washington Initiative. Good evening, my dear. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on. Welcome back. I love being here. You guys are the best and the worst, but the best. <laughs> we are. <laughs> we know. We're the worst at being the best. We're the, we're the best at being the worst, one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go with that. Something like that. So our, our special guest this evening um, is is someone who I came across um, via Facebook ads, and uh, and I immediately thought, wow, this is a topic we've never talked about, and um, immediately thought this is really cool. And we started chatting, and I thought this this person is too cool not to have on the radio show. So our special guest tonight is a is an acclaimed photographer, a lecturer, um, and the creator of the Addy Positivity Project. I'd like to welcome Substantia Jones. Good evening. Hello. Oh, I dig the I dig the fake applause. Is that the stuff from uh, the CIA Memorial Hall being rehashed here? Oh. The very same. That's but what I he boom. used. No, this is this is real applause. They weren't paid to be here. Ah, oh, there you go. Alternative facts, right there. Alternative facts. <laughs> Oh, you know what? I have alternative facts. Can I can I jump in with uh, with one at, coming at you about the people who don't look healthy thing? I would mm-hmm. encourage you to rethink that because there's not been uh, anything proven to connect health with size in a causal way. Size has been determined not to be an accurate indicator of health. And you were right to to jump in there, to stick in there that people can be fit and fat. I know that's not why I'm here, um, but I just wanted to add that. Yeah, no, you're, I'm you're thinking absolutely right. And I, and I think that's something I was going to come back onto later is that uh, there's an assumption that bigger people are unhealthy, which, as you say, there's no way you can tell whether someone's healthy or not from, from mm-hmm. the outside. Um, <clears throat> But also the 
fact that there, there's a, a stigma about about bigger people, um, and that stigma can often be justified or validated by, um, I, you know, I've, I've got a problem with fat people because all I want is for them to be healthier. You know, I, I've got a problem with them because they're so unhealthy, and, and, and often that's complete bullshit. You know, from, from my experience, often that's... Uh, that's just an excuse for just disliking someone because of the way they look. The same as right. if it's color or race, I, whatever. I can I can answer that from two directions. One is um, we can we call that concern trolling, and you're absolutely right to observe that it's rarely about authentic concern. But on the other side, I have to point out that health we don't think of it in this way, but health is a choice. Health is an individual choice. I preach body autonomy. We have the right to decide whether or not we want to pursue health. Um, your attitude about your own personal health should not dictate um, what other people do with their own bodies. And that's, that's a hard one for people to swallow. I, I get that. Ultimately, what I do with my body does not affect you or anyone else. And it's important for us to think of it in terms of that. Yeah, that's oh. that, you know, when three million people have been out marching this weekend, chanting "Her body, her choice," um, it's kind of exactly. you know it's hard to argue with that. And, and that choice could be putting alcohol in it, putting drugs in exactly. it, putting fast food. Exactly. In it. Well, you know, that's, yeah. Um, so I, I guess substantial. Maybe maybe you could tell us um, for our listeners who are not familiar with you. I'd, I'd uh, be interested in the uh, thirty thousand view view of uh, who you are and where you've come from and, and what it is that you do, if you don't mind. Um, I, uh, I, where I come from, <laughs> wow, uh, you don't want me to go that far back, but I'm a photoactivist. Uh, I'm a creator of the Adipositivity Project, uh, the mission of which is to combat sizest bigotry and weight-related misinformation and to um, encourage people to recognize what we were just talking about, an individual's right to body autonomy, uh, I encourage people to employ critical thinking about the role of commerce in medical science reporting and discussion of body politics. I I do this through various uh, forms of communication, but primarily through photography. Um, I like to subvert the, the tool commonly used to promote body shame. Uh, it's what's often used in advertising and media to encourage people to be dissatisfied with their body. Um, uh, I like, I, I, my, I'm about giving fat, the fat body the respect and visibility that it's too often denied in the media and in popular culture. And my message is, bottom line, love your body and allow others to love their own. Uh, and the, the HQ of my mission is the Adipositivity Project website, which is adipositivity.com. And if you go there, I must warn you, um, you're going to see hundreds of photos I've taken of fat people, mostly naked. Um, most of them are cis women, but there are also some men. There are trans men and women there. Um, every February, in fact, there's a Valentine series where you get to see fat people and their partners. And am I allowed to curse? Please. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I say about the project that it's part fat, part feminism, and part fuck you. 
<laughs> you know, on that note, I want to say I, I saw your Valentine's. The one with uh, the two men, I guess you guys were out on the East um, East End, uh, wherever you were, and it was two men. Um, and I was reading about how people would drive by and honk or you'd get thumbs up. That picture <laughs> of the two men. Oh, first, it looked like it was really cold, but, oh, my God, they looked so sweet. I, lo- I loved cold. Loved your Valentine's series, the angel wing, the one with the angel wings and such, where the police came and get, yeah. Yeah, the cops came for that one. We often have cops roll up and uh, try to shoo us away, but that was my first time having them roll up with lights and sirens. Um, (laughs) And even though I I know my rights, I'm not doing anything illegal. I, you know, I have a, you know, I have the law written down because very often, I know the law better than the cops know the law. Um, and mm-hmm. this cop was very cool about it, but he, he wasn't going to leave until we left. Fortunately, I had everything I needed. I kept shooting when he rolled up with lights and sirens because I knew I had to get this photo. Um, and mm-hmm. he then followed me through the neighborhood as I walked and turned. <laughs> um, My. I, thought, I should probably get in a cab and get out of here before he decides, you know, he wants to cause more problems right well the the shot was river um Mm -hmm. we did when we were shooting the two gentlemen on the east river we did get a call from one of the guy's mother and she asked what he was doing and he said mom i'm out on the east river in new york city in my underwear being photographed for the world to see and she said oh nicholas and that just made my day. <laughs> He's ultimately on board with what we were doing. Fantastic. Um, I I have to tell you, and I have to do this because she's my best friend in the world, and and she probably <laughs> I don't know if she's going to kill me or not for telling you this or not, but our our other guest tonight, uh, who's also our teammate, the the leader of the Washington Initiative, has the biggest crush on you in your work. So I'm sorry, Tim, yep, Crystal, don't 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 uh, <laughs> don't kill me. But I had to do that. So so Hi, there Crystal. you go. Hi. <laughs> I have communicated. Wow. Crystal and I communicated on Facebook earlier she today, said. and she said she was going to try not to fangirl too much and I told her don't I love fangirling don't don't hold yourself back oh I've never heard her like that wow (laughs) you remember that you said that (laughs) this is this is um so I'm gonna have all of you are gonna be asking questions so this is gonna be like a Walker Texas Ranger fight I hope you all come at me just one at a time (laughs) yeah Mm, yeah we will (laughs) okay good 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 Go ahead. I know my co-host. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was I'm just going to say, uh, I know Spectre's got them. Go ahead, I'm honey. I'm going to go for equality and go for gentlemen first. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I guess, have you always photographed fat people? And, and why, why did you go in that direction? Why, you know, why that specific demographic? That's actually a good question. I never did before I began the project. Uh, ten years ago, this this June will be the tenth anniversary of the Adipositivity Project, and um, I had been photographing myself in that way, and I was kind of intrigued with the way it affected my attitude toward my body, seeing it 
um, through the camera lens in ways that I had not looked at myself before. And in, previously, I had observed through working in, in uh, for a music uh, music related nonprofit where I observed live music audiences for more than a decade, and I watched how they responded to conventionally attractive musicians versus how they responded to musicians who might be even more talented but weren't as conventionally attractive. Um, and it was kind of upsetting that they they responded a lot more positively to the pretty people. But I had to accept that there was something in nature that causes this. And rather than try to down, maybe I can fuck with it. Maybe I can work that system and use another thing that I had found was that if you repeatedly put positive depictions of that which repels you in people's faces, um, it has a positive effect. It, it affects the way they view that thing. So I put those two things together in an effort to try to change the way people think of fat people aesthetically. Because whether we like it or not, if someone finds you repulsive, you're not going to be paid attention to. You're going to be ignored. You're going to continue to be denied housing and continue to be to earn less in the workplace. Um, but if you show people, hey, I'm unapologetically fat. You can't make me feel bad about myself anymore. I'm here being happy. I'm here being naked and happy for the world to see. Uh, I thought that might make a difference. Wow, wow. And you know what? I think as well, I, I feel like uh, for, for people who are bigger, and, and I say this <clears throat> from personal experience from my from my loved ones, and I know my, my co-hosts have, have had similar experiences, being ignored is sometimes the best you can hope for. You know, there's there's the ridicule. There's, you know, I'm too oh, fat yeah. to fit in an airplane seat. I have to ask for a lap extender belt. Or, you know, I'm sat on a train and someone complains because I'm taking up a seat and a half. And, you know, it, it's the uh, the embarrassment that, that just comes from day to day, you know, that, that awful grind that, that not only um, makes you feel bad, but it can cause mental illness. It can cause depression. It can cause, you know, suicide in the worst cases. And, and I... You know, therefore, I feel like uh, what what you're doing and the cause that you're working for is enormously important. Minority stress is a real thing, and that we know has a detrimental effect on your health. Um, and yes, that is indeed what happens when you are constantly ridiculed and uh, thought of as less than human. Yeah, and, and I, you know what? I feel like fat people are the last minority that society feels like it's okay to ridicule because of the health thing. You know, it's, uh, it, it, it even seems to be impossible for people to go up to smokers now. And, you know, it used to be if you were sat in a restaurant next to a smoker, someone would, uh, would come up and make a, an annoying coughing noise in your face or something. But, uh, yeah, I stopped short. I stopped short of saying that it's the last acceptable. It, it can sometimes seem like that. Um, but there's a hell of a lot of prejudice that we might not always be cognizant of, but it's, it's still alive and strong. Um, and yes, I, I feel that it's a lot, it can be a lot more public than, um, than some other prejudices, but, um, I think I would stop short of saying that it's the last acceptable one, because I think in many circles, there are lots of acceptable prejudices. Right. Um, and they're all they all suck. 
Yeah, really. Um, and you know what, as well, so, and I'm really monopolizing you now, and I'm not going to apologize, but um, I, uh, <laughs> I, I feel like, as well, fat shaming, I, I think people, you know, people still feel that that works, and I feel like that's maybe why, um, you know, why people feel that it's acceptable, but because they feel like, uh, you know, if I make this person feel bad enough, maybe they'll somehow change what they eat or somehow change their lifestyle, that they'll magically become thin and, and look like everybody else. And, you know, for me, obviously the opposite is true. Like, you know, and what are they hoping? Like the best case scenario, they're going to cause, what, anorexia or body dysmorphia or, you know, some other eating disorder in the opposite direction and somehow balance out the scales. Yeah, that's also been proven not to be effective, particularly in the case uh, of children where, you know, you might mean well, you might, um, uh, your aim might indeed earnestly be healthier children. But if you are tying weight to it, you are further othering fat children, fat children who are already the target of hate and ridicule in school uh, and, you know, elsewhere. So, yeah, just as with adults, anytime you tie weight, to any health goal, you increase your chances of failure in that health goal. Um, I mean, even even the the mega billion dollar weight cycling industry no longer disputes the fact that very few people who lose weight through dieting are going to keep it off. Um, so you know it's futile at that end. Um, but yeah, we have we're. We're about to enter, we've already pretty much entered a huge national conversation about body shaming because of our, our president. I, um, I'm a, you know, a, a tree-humping pinko liberal, and many of my comrades feel that it's okay to body shame our president because he's who he is without realizing that if you body shame someone, you're body shaming Everyone who has a body like that um, or hands like that, You're, everyone who fears they're going to someday look like that, everyone who thinks they do now, you body shame a lot more than just your target. Um, you're not whispering it in the, into his ear. You're posting it in social media generally, and, and that affects a lot of people. And I know it's easy. I know if you have a very low opinion of him, as most of us do, it, it's very tempting but you have to resist because, um, I mean, it's not like there aren't a million other things that we can ridicule him about. But if we, you know, if we put um, body size into it or gayness into it, it not only sabotages your message, it causes harm to people who, who don't deserve it. I think also you you touch on something really good there with um, talking about or talking to children even about um, how they look from a young age and the idea of really leads to beauty standards, right? I mean, there's um, whether you change your style of your hair or um, whether or not you have tattoos, whether or not you um, decide to be tan or super pale like me and can reflect sunlight and kill vampires or whether you are um, fat or skinny or in between just the fact that we have something called beauty standards that we are being held to. And I mean, we by all humans 
it's unfair because there's no standard for beauty because there's no standard for people. Since we come in all different colors and shapes and sizes naturally, telling someone that you are not accepted because you're too fat, well, let's take out the word fat and swap it for black. I mean, that is completely unacceptable. But it's also something that they cannot change. They, if you are... If you are black, you are black. And it has been something that has been started to be compared to now where it's, you know, that people are seeing that comparing fatness to any other sort of attacked or harassed um, category or standard has the same effect on the the person being attacked as it does um, across the board. So if you are attacked for being fat, it is the same psychological effect on you than it is for someone who is being targeted for wearing a hijab, which if you think about how wrong that is, why do we allow this to still happen to fat people? And I think that the answer can be something as simple as seeing a fat person living their life makes a lot of people really uncomfortable because it doesn't meet with their own personal goals of I want to be beautiful. I want to be skinny. I, you know, this is how I have to be in order to be happy. And they see someone out there living their life and being happy. Well, you know, fuck you. How dare you do that? That's, that's not fair. You didn't jump through the hoops. It's very threatening. Exactly. And I, I love that you have the out of positivity project since where my crush comes in. So um, (laughs) I love that you have this because you are, you mentioned that you are broadening the concept of beauty and, showing people without crazy filters, without airbrushing away cellulite or dimples or anything else, you're showing people in a way that makes them feel the most beautiful and you're showing everyone else that they that anyone can be art and that anyone is beautiful. And Thank I you. just I adore that. Mm-hmm. Well that's that's my aim. I think visibility is important. It's at the core of everything, and it's exactly what we're being denied as fat people because we have a the U.S. weight cycling industry is worth upwards of sixty billion dollars a year, mm-hmm. and yeah. the way they operate is they first make us feel bad about our bodies, then they enlist us as tools to make other people feel bad about their bodies, and. We buy what they're selling. We lose weight. We gain it back, usually more, more weight than we lost. And instead of pointing at the industry that's selling us this bill of goods, we point at ourselves and say, this is a personal failure that I gained this weight back. So I'm going to give them more money and do it again and again and again. And weight cycling is not only, you know, it takes away from your pleasure, it it causes ill health, it costs you money. And this is ultimately, it's a brilliant business model that they have. And it it keeps working. Um, I was just looking up stats uh, the other day. In 2014, and I'm not finished with this research, but in 2014, the business was up to $66 billion a year in this country. Um, And there's some indication that since then, in the last two or three years, it's gone down a little bit. So I'm hoping that bears out. I'm hoping that's true. I'm not yet convinced, but I'm still looking at that. Um, 
and that that would mean a lot of good stuff. But you know, that was that was all before this new president, and you know, who <laughs> who knows what's going to happen now? We're sort of in free fall as far as a lot of things go, especially human rights. Right. You, you mentioned the the weight, the the whole cycling industry, and um, something that I, I touched on in my blog on bigger expectations, but that a lot of people. I'll bring this up in a in a very nice totally controlled rant, I'm sure, but um, people, a lot of people don't know that Jenny Craig, you know, a leading weight loss institution um, that used to be super popular that I was sent to as a preteen and then a teenager, um, they're owned now by Nestle. So (laughs) (laughs) Nestle, which as we all know, makes candy bars and they also have their Nestle nutrition line, so they can have something like uh, Jenny Craig, but when you are when you are stepping into the supermarket and you decide that you want a candy bar and you pick up a Nestle candy bar, but then you feel bad about it later and you go to your Jenny Craig meeting, they just got your money in two different places. Yep. If it weren't and so heinous, you'd have to almost respect the genius of their plan. Exactly, and it's hard not to when Carrie Fisher herself to bring it full circle. Um, use the program since uh, 2010. So it's something that you can get a lot of uh, benefit out of for whatever your particular goals are. And I loved how you touched on that too, that your health is what you choose it to be. Yes. Um, but it does not change the fact that no matter what we do, it's you are getting screwed coming and going from this particular industry. And all they really want is to keep you on that cycle of constantly, you know, buying their product in whatever way that looks, whether it's through, in this case, Nestle, through Candy or through Jenny Craig. Yeah. If you engage with the industry, I stopped engaging. I I lived much of my life dieting. Um, I grew up as a, an unusually thin child, and I began adulthood uh, as a thin person who thought I was fat. I felt fat because my upper thighs touched. So I started dieting and um, I'm like the textbook case of dieting making me fat because I would try one thing and it would, uh, I would lose weight and gain back more. And then I, something else I'd lose weight and gain back more. And uh, I finally stopped doing that altogether. So Nestle still gets my money with the chocolate (laughs) bars maybe, but nowhere else. That's my own bit that. of defiance. <laughs> Not even saying my, I can tell Spectre and I are sitting back just listening because you're answering half of the questions that I had already. <laughs> and oh. um, yeah, and I'm I'm I'm, uh, I'm actually, surprised we haven't I haven't gotten a question yet about the nomenclature about the word fat. Usually, I have to um, talk about this right off the bat because people are coming at me with, uh, you know, the word overweight or obese, but you people are very evolved. I must congratulate you in using the (laughs) word fat. Most people are afraid to use it, and you you really shouldn't be. It's a good word. It's a morally neutral descriptor. You know why? I and I I got to give credit where it's due. It's because I keep reading Crystal's um, blog on um, body positivity. Also, the the bigger expectations. She's called Go herself Crystal. fat. 
so much yeah. that I'm going, yeah, it's normalizing. You know, just like your 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 photographs, I think that normalizing something, you know, putting it out there, like you said, it, it it's no longer, oh, what's that? Or, oh, I'm so used to this skinny picture, you know, or just the exactly. other standards, and I'm using the bunny ears, um, that, you know, <laughs> you're not used to seeing this. So when you're used to hearing it, you know, you're used to seeing it, it's fine. Yeah, it's just you know, it's it's part of life. It becomes part of life. So well, that's that's the aim. That's very good. It's good that it's having that effect on you. I think it's one of the best things about um, about being a mom right now. When um, I have four kids, um, because God thought that was funny, and um, <laughs> I kind of do too. Yeah, oh, believe me, it is hilarious, especially in the morning. Um, <laughs> But I, I've got these four kiddos, and they're all different ages from one and a half up to almost 10. And they're at different stages in their mental development and what they can comprehend. But they all know that mommy thinks it's okay that she's fat. Mommy says that it's okay, that saying the word fat is fine. And my youngest son, Rex, he, when he wants to cuddle, he's, he'll cuddle up on me and he'll, he'll pat my belly and say, Mommy, I love your fat belly. And he used to look at me kind of like, is that okay? Am I going to get in trouble? (laughs) And and I did my best to reassure him, like, thanks, buddy. I love my fat belly, too. And then my husband from the cross of the house, I love your fat belly. And, you know, it is (laughs) the best thing so wonderful and healthy. God bless you. I love that. It it is great. And they're starting to ask questions now. Well, I've noticed my teacher's really fat. And... But you mentioned that sometimes people don't like to be told that they're fat in front of other people. Like, well, yes, I think it's okay, and I think everyone knows how they are personally. But maybe, maybe they don't want to have their bodies commented on. And we talk about bodies as a whole, and not just we don't make being fat bad. We make calling out people's bodies when it's when they're not talking about it themselves. We talk about it that way, and not inviting yourself into someone's space. And these little guys are starting to pick up on it. And Exactly. That's good parenting there. I think so. And I think that it's really catching on with a lot of people, whether it's, you probably hear my daughter in the background, um, whether it's about size or um, ability or disability or um, what, what your orientation is. I think it's great that a lot of the conversation, at least on the maybe the left-hand leaning side of the political aisle, is moving really towards having those conversations with your kids at a younger and younger age. And I think that's incredibly healthy. Um, which actually led me to my question is I wanted to know um, what your, if you've ever considered doing a um, photography project for adipositivity that involved children, obviously not nude because we don't want to get into weird territory there, but um, it involved um, fat kids. Um, you know, people, have asked me this and the the answer is no and the reason is normally even I mean I I often have to tell people nudity is not sex sex is not porn and porn is not evil and I I I preach that and much mm-hmm. of what you see at the Adipositivity Project while it's nude it's not sexual in any way however um, I do a two-week Valentine series every year where it's fat people and their partners and usually naked. And that does get 
um, a little sexual. I mean, you know, you're photographing couples naked in a casual way, and it it you know sometimes it's playful, sometimes it's it's not at all sexual, but sometimes it is sexual, and I wouldn't want that in the same place as photos of kids. I think um, I hope that someone sure. will do that because it it needs to be done. I I love it when I see. Um, fat characters in children's books, whether children themselves or adults, that are portrayed in a positive or neutral way. And I always snatch them up and give them to my little, you know, um, nieces and nephews because I think it's important. Um, uh, like you say, normalization is important, and that's only done through visibility. And um, visibility is scant for fat people, so we have to, you know, we have to seek it out. We have to make our own. Definitely. But I hope someone will do that. It's it's just not it's not going to be me. No, that makes sense. You mentioned um, visibility as well. Is um, what are your what are your thoughts about um, the visibility of fat actors and actresses in Hollywood, and more specifically, how how we're usually portrayed as kind of like the funny sidekick? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, the wacky neighbor. Um, I, I have friends in the industry that I love and respect and I trust their decisions. But when it, when we're talking about big celebrities that are fat, I encourage people not to get too attached because very, very often, regardless of how forcefully they tell you up front, I'm, you know, I love my body, um, I'm doing this for the fat girls, very often they fall victim to the pressures of that industry, and um, and they begin weight cycling. So, you know, don't put all your eggs in any individual basket is what I tell people. Um, that makes sense. But I, I love seeing them. I, you know, I love what they're doing. I think uh, it definitely helps with visibility and normalization. Um, but on an individual level, you know, don't fall in love. You know, it, it, I've got it, a... It's more, um, uh, more of a problem in terms of acceptance mm. of fat women as opposed to fat men. Uh, you know, in that fat men seem to be the, the jolly uncle or the, you know, the, the, the fat absolutely. stepdad. Yeah. And absolutely. And, and you often will see um, TV sitcoms with fat men paired with, you know, uh, very, very thin women. Um, and that's, you know, that's seen as normal. And it is, you know, it, it kind of is. So, yeah, they men also experience sizeism, but statistically not as severely as women do. You know, there is a TV series that, that actually has, and it's, it's not, it's no longer on, but um, it has both sides of that coin in it. And I was just thinking while you ladies were talking about um, fat actresses, how they're portrayed, you know, as the goofy neighbor and such that, that kind of drives me crazy personally, Mm -hmm. but there is one TV show that I really liked and it was because the fat actress, Retta um, was portrayed in parks and recreation. If you guys ever watch parks and recreation, she is Donna and she works in the um, public parks department and they portray her as the the cool one, 
who's got the money. She's got guys falling all over her, celebrities. She was a great character. She wasn't she great? Oh, I loved her. I mean, I I loved her because she was very like you. Yeah, she was very dominant and Mm -hmm. um, completely unapologetic. And uh, I I thought that was a a great coup and a, a great push forward for fat people. Yeah, exactly. And I loved her. But on the other side of that, I'm thinking when you guys are describing how, you know, men are often the victims of, you know, size in two, in the same show, you've got Jerry or Gary, whatever, you know, name they're calling him that, because they always change mm-hmm. his name. And, and he's fat. And his wife is Christy Brinkley in the show. And they're always making jokes about him and making jokes about how did he end up with her? So, you know, now that I look at that again, I'm going, yeah, that's true. He's always being made fun of, often for his size, you know. But I usually think, for other stuff. But usually for other yeah, things. Yeah, that was true. my interpretation as well. I really examined that when that storyline first happened. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought it was funny. And I didn't see it so much as, as a statement about his size. I think he, he's kind of a, a downer of a character in so many ways that I think that was why it was so uh, sort of unusual and funny that he had not only this um, traditionally perfect in a Western sense wife, but also his, his daughters were all gorgeous and all, all of them very adoring of him, where at the right. office he played the completely opposite role of being, you know, the scapegoat and the, the downer. Right. Well, yeah, that's more encouraging. You're right. It, it, he, he, he was quite the, uh, the klutz and the, you know, everything else. So, yeah, I guess it wasn't yeah. as weight-based as, as I thought. So. But, yeah, there are positive role models. We need to see more, more models like, like Donna you know, out there. Yeah. So. And not it. only positive, but neutral as well. You know, I mean, that's also part of normalization. Right. Exactly. That's what I love, too, is a lot of um, things that in the body positivity movement or um, fat acceptance, it's even the word positivity or acceptance can be really hurtful for some people because what if it's more about body autonomy and letting people know that it's okay if you don't like the fact that you're fat or that you're skinny or that you, you know, your left boob is bigger than your right boob or whatever it is because it's your body. And the idea to stop telling people how to feel a certain way about themselves um, is, is huge. And it's, especially you look into the, the trans community, maybe they're fighting a lot of body dysmorphia right now with, they're transitioning or hating that they were born into a certain body or they're okay with being born in a certain body, but they feel that they are the oppositely born sex. So I love that that's something that's starting to be addressed a little bit more and more. And I see it a lot more kind of at the intersection of um, fat or body uh, talk and feminism and being more about embracing who you are to the level that you are comfortable with and not forcing anyone to jump up and down and say, yay, I'm fat or yay, I'm skinny. And just exactly. Letting someone too, too tall in order for some people. Ijoma Oluo wrote a great piece um, in the establishment about that very thing that 
positivity might be more than some people can muster, um, or you can't love, love your body every day or love every part of your body necessarily, but you can, you can respect it. You can be neutral about it. And that's a huge step forward for a lot of people. Yes. Yeah, it's huge. I think the second that we stop policing people, whether for their size or for what they think about their size, um, I think the sooner we do that, the better. And that's that's a fantastic thing, and that's something I really look forward to looking into. Absolutely. I was curious if you have, um, now that you you have quite a few, you mentioned, was it since 2010 is when you started the Add a Positivity Project? 2007. So it's been seven. almost okay. 10 years going up on coming uh, up on 10 years. That's what it was 10 years. Okay. So now that it's been nearly a decade, um, do you have any new ideas or uh, projects that you want to take part in moving forward to kind of stretch or broaden the concept of beauty even further? Hmm. I'm smiling as you're asking that <laughs> because it's something I think about every damn day i i'm i feel very much at a crossroads right now and i don't know um sometimes i even think about wrapping up the project um uh but i you know then the next day i'll be thinking about how to move forward how to add um how to move in more important directions um i i definitely will be putting out a book at some point in the not too distant future um, I want to do things to show more respect and boosting and visibility for the pioneers of fat pride and fat acceptance um, because there, there's a whole new generation uh, now of younger folks who are getting involved, and that's wonderful, but they often think they made this stuff up Yep. <laughs> um, and I think we always can benefit from, from knowing about the pioneers of, of everything. Um, and it's also, it's just fascinating to me. And some of these people are still with us. Um, so I'd like to put, do something to put more focus on that. I also sometimes think about um, uh, shifting focus completely to to using photography to combat ageism. Um, you spoke earlier about um, uh, about overlapping prejudices, and I find that ageism is still completely accepted and quite rampant, even in even among fat activists. There, I see a lot of ageism. And uh, it's it's unfortunate. I think people need to remember that anybody who's 50 has been 20. Um, and, you know, I think uh, we have to stop and think before we blame things on just wholesale, blame things on age or um, show diminished respect for people as they get older blows me away. So mm-hmm. I might I might do something with a greater focus on that. I don't know. Fortunately, I have the freedom to decide these things. That's great. Um, so I, I had a question for you, a slightly different tack. So, um, and, and I think this is a question not 
just that, that fat people would appreciate the answer to, but anyone who has low self-confidence. Um, and, and, you know, I look at the photos on, on your website, and I think how brave those people are. And, and I think you even say on there that there are people who do it uh, proudly, people who do it very reluctantly. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not even sure personally if, if I could even do it at all. So, And I'm sure you must encounter people like that where their self-confidence is so low that they're like, no way, no way could I do this. So, uh, how do you combat that kind of thing? You can even have tremendous self-confidence and still think it's maybe not such a good idea to let a stranger come to my house and photograph me <laughs> naked to put on the Internet. You can, you can be totally cool with your body and still think, eh, I'm going to pass on that. And I get that. I get all of that. People have um, – there are many different reasons people come to me to be photographed. Some of them are looking for that confidence. Some of them have found it, and they want to show the world that they've found it. Um, some are just curious. Some just want a picture of themselves naked. So there are a great many reasons that people do this. Um, you know, very often I'm I'm just a one stop along their journey. Sorry for saying journey, but I really couldn't think of a better word. Um, so lots of different reasons. I try not to call them brave because – um, I don't think I would like to be called brave for showing my naked body on the internet. Um, but you know, there, there, it's it's not for everyone. Um, but I have mad respect for those who do it, and um, I thank them profusely as often as I can. Um, because I mean, you know, what would a what would the project be if people weren't contacting me regularly to? to get in front of my camera. Right, right. Makes sense. Makes sense. And, I mean, do, do you, I guess, well, how do you deal with it if someone turns up, says, yeah, I want to do this, and then the last minute they get, and I, I hate to use this expression, cold feet. To happens cold, cold <laughs> all the time. Happens all the time. Um, and because I've done this for almost 10 years, I've learned a lot over the, over the over that amount of time. So, um, I, I have this huge, long uh, list of what to, they should expect, what they should expect before the shoot, during the shoot, after the shoot. I want them to know all the ways it is likely to change their life um, because some of them are ridiculed horrifically, horrifically. Some of them have had their jobs jeopardized. Some of them have uh, had um, broken marriages because of it. Some of them have lost their jobs because of it. So I want them to know, I want them to go into it with their eyes completely open. Um, and I want them to think about all those things before I'm knocking on their door. Because I have been left knocking on their door before. Um, so we talk about it. I want everyone to know exactly what they're getting into, but people do still sometimes have cold feet. And I, I totally get that. The time for cold feet is before I photograph them. though. Um, ideally not after, although it has happened after the fact I once, um, I'm not sure if that show, the biggest loser is still on. Um, Unfortunately. Hmm. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, 
I had a, a young woman who was an adiposer um, who was naked on the website. And uh, she wrote me a, a letter, an email, saying I'm, you know, with a huge preface, like, I'm about to ask you a huge favor, and I hope you'll think about it. And she told me that she was about to be a contestant on that show. And the last bit of paperwork she they were waiting for her to sign was where she signed saying there are no naked pictures of me on the Internet anywhere. And she asked me if I would please think about taking her picture down. And it, it was a great email. It was very heartfelt. Um, I wrote her back and said, of course I'll take your picture down, but I will ask in return that you read what I'm about to say. And I told her that, of course, it was her decision, but if if she was dead set on losing weight, that that was not the way to do it, that it, she would be humiliated, she would be jeopardizing her health even more than just plain dieting at home. And I just told her all the things that I, all the negative things that I felt about participating in a show like that. And I took her photo down. And I did not hear back from her for a, a long time. And she finally did write me back and say, she said, everyone in her life, when she was preparing to go on that show, everyone in her life was supportive of her going on that show. And I was the only voice that said, think about what you're doing and don't do it. She said, I decided not to do it, and it would mean a lot to me if you would please put my photo back up. So I was quite pleased to put her photo back up. It was my pleasure, and I was glad that it turned out the way it did. That's great. That's, I mean, you know, even if you are insistent on losing weight, that's certainly not the way to do it. Don't, you know, don't, don't drag down the rest of civilization with you. Yeah, the idea of making a spectacle, well, I guess not even that. It's, it, you are actively, I have, you can tell right now, I have a very big thing against this show. Um, <laughs> you are actively going on the television television show the entire purpose is to show how they're making fat people better so the whole premise yeah. is on fat is bad and <clears throat> we can make you successful if we make you skinny and if you don't get skinny you're not successful and it's it's reinforced to these people season after season to the even the contestants as they are, you know, running on a treadmill and exercising eight hours a day, I believe is what I read from one of the one of the winners or the second placers that commented finally she could her and her non disclosure agreement was up after ten years and she could finally comment and eight hours a day of, of exercise where you're constantly thinking if I just lose enough weight I can win this and that's what's being drilled into your head. That's I mean, besides being a fat activist, that's that just sounds like torture to me. Yeah, and, I think yeah. I've, I too have read a lot about some of the behind-the-scenes things they've done, um, which is is kind of horrific. Uh, it's a lot worse than we, I believe, think that it is, um, or it's worse than it looks 
like it is on TV. Um, yeah. So yeah, I hope I hope that show dies with fire sometime soon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rooting for their failure. Yay! But they're still going strong, so I guess the joke's on me for now. <laughs> You know, I have to say, going back to Crystal's earlier point about parallels with other minority groups, if if this show was called The Biggest Gay and they had Mike Pence there with his electrotherapy, <laughs> wow. uh, I don't reckon it would get as many viewers. <laughs> oh, yes, okay. yes. From, I mean, you know, the electrotherapy that's been proven, his, that whole uh, rejection of being gay, that gay conversion therapy, which has killed people. It's killed young people. I mean, the suicide rate is astronomical, and he's okay with that because he apparently thinks that you're better off dead than being yourself. Um, and you're right. There are a great many parallels through, throughout all prejudice. There are universals. Um, and and lots of overlap, yeah. Which, I mean, speaking of parallels, thank you, Simon, because that reminded me of another thing about um, kind of the way that we we gauge um, acceptability. Uh, they talk, they've moved away from it, I think, on The Biggest Loser a little bit, but they'll talk about the BMI, your body mass index, Um mm. And, you know, a lot of people have heard about this, but I'm not sure. I I know it hasn't been talked about on this show yet necessarily, but, you know, how it's based on the height and weight of a person, and it's a completely inaccurate measure of um, body fat content, doesn't take into effect muscle mass or bone density or composition or race or sex differences or anything else. Exactly. And it has been completely debunked time and time again, but still being used by doctors practicing today in offices and still being referred to for people to kind of measure their weight loss success. And I'm using bunny ears now. Thank you, rock and roll. And <laughs> it's, it's something that it's just another example of, you know, see, here's this thing that you can measure yourself by that now doctors are still using that's completely inaccurate. Well, if doctors are still using it, then chilling, that's chilling. Exactly. If it's been proven to to not be useful at all, it's it's complete nonsense. It it was horrible. never intended to be used for this purpose. It was it's an archaic parlor trick. Um I had uh I I produced and hosted a four part radio series called Politicize S I Z E. I thought I was very clever. On mm-hmm. uh on WBAI here in New York a few years ago and one of my guests on one episode was a BMI researcher um, who had to use a pseudonym because uh, there's a lot of blackballing in that industry if you if you reveal these things but he was uh, he said that a, a huge amount of research is thrown out on the regular when it does not prove what it was intended to prove and I mean, like sometimes huge studies conducted over 10, 20 years will just be trashed because the results aren't what they are. They, the people paying for the studies were hoping for. And mm. the, the industry is such that if you speak up or if you push back against that, you can be blackballed 
so completely that you will lose your career um, as a result. Um, so even though I have tremendous respect for actual science, um, unfortunately, the business side of science is being tremendously politicized. So as a result, people are still putting stock in BMI and other things. Um, and, and, and it's no, it's even worse throughout practical medicine. Um, weight bias among medical practitioners is just off the charts. And this, this causes people death. It causes people ill health. When you're, there's a great cartoon that shows, I'm sure you've seen it, Crystal, of a, a, some, a fat person is in front of a doctor with a huge beam impaling her from front yeah. to back. Uh, and the doctor says, well, you know, just lose a little weight and you'll be fine. And that's, I mean, it's funny, but I've known people who've nearly died because of that very thing. A doctor, you know, he wants you to, uh, he or she wants you to lose weight regardless of what you're presenting with. And um, very often it, it results in uh, um, ill health or death. Exactly, yeah. When it's it's all about your, money. Follow the money, and there's your answer. Yeah. It was designed by a mathematician, not a physician, and he even he said explicitly that it could not and should not be used to indicate the level of fatness in an individual. And mm. <laughs> Nevertheless. But, nevertheless, it's a really good um, – if I was at my computer still, I would post the link in the chat, but it's, um, it's an NPR article from July 4th, 2009, called The Top 10 Reasons Why the BMI is Bogus, and complete with the, the references for that. But um, that's another thing that just kind of it shows that how little, as you're exactly as you're saying, how little we value actual health versus how much we value the money. Yes, and not only money, but money is a huge part of it. And, uh, and I shouldn't even say money, I should say greed, because that's, that's a different thing. Um, greed and intellectual laziness and a good dose of ineptitude. It's at the root of all this stuff. And if you read any studies about weight bias among medical practitioners, it's, it's chilling. It's chilling to think that your doctor is thinking ill of you because of your size um, when you're there to get medical care. Um, I had, uh, I have to, see my doctor four times a year because I have uh, a thyroid issue, so I have to get blood work four times a year to make sure my prescription is, is dealing with it exactly right. Um, and one, uh, one time my doctor was out and I had to see a nurse practitioner, and I reported to her this symptom that I, um, I had just, for no reason, lost 20 pounds over the course of three weeks with no change in my diet or exercise or lifestyle in any way. And she said, good for you. I said, no, no, oh. I'm, I'm reporting a symptom. This is wrong, and it's probably an indicator of something. I don't mean to go with Allen on you, but, you know, this is a concern. I've weighed the same for as long as I can remember. And she said, keep it up. Keep up the good work. And I was like, you know, it's like talking to a brick wall. And the next wow. time I saw her, um, on a on a subsequent visit, 
uh, I was tempted to say, you know, I, I talked about you in a lecture at the new school last night, um, but <laughs> I didn't. I just, you know, chuck, I, I changed to doctors. But, you know, we have to be, uh, we have to advocate for ourselves in that field. And a lot of people aren't equipped to do that. And it's a shame that we don't have um, uh, training in medical school about weight bias. Yeah. Yes. Yes, but there's hope. Hopefully, I'm 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 hoping. I really am. <laughs> with with the way that things are changing, I'm really hoping that you know, with an outcry of enough people, things things change slowly but I'm surely. Hopeful so I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful too, yeah. especially if my research bears out this this slight decrease in the weight cycling industry income, um, because you know that's that's really at the source of it all. I'm hopeful too. And we're getting fatter, they say. So who knows? <laughs> let's just get. Let's just take over the world. Here, here. I don't think that's true either, by the way. But the taking over the world part sounds good. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know whether I don't know whether it's it's media or, or reality. Probably media and, and completely fake. But you know, I guess when you look at. Um, when you look at kind of pinup models in Victorian times through, you know, through prior to that, for the last 200 years, the body shape has just got thinner and thinner by generation. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and what I find interesting is when you look at pornography, um, porn in the 1980s was uh-huh. these bizarre caricature women with tiny waists and, and, you know, massive fake boobs and, and, and just extremely plastic fake looking people. And yet since the birth of the Internet and, and, you know, porn becoming heavily available on the Internet, that image seems to be dying a death to some extent. I, you know, and, and I know mainstream porn is still there and still portrays that image. But amateur pornography, you know, people recording themselves, like real people who look like real people recording themselves having sex. And there's an enormous market that seems to be overtaking this, this kind of fake porn. So, you know, it seems that uh, we're almost back at square one of people just wanting to look at real naked people, not, uh, not fake uh, caricatures. That's an excellent point. That's an excellent point. Another point that was made by, um, if you want to talk about uh, over the generations, bodies changing, um, an adiposer pointed out out to me that um, as people have gotten taller, we've started making doorways higher. Yet fat people, people getting bigger in other ways, aren't being accommodated. In fact, quite the opposite. Um, Airline seats are getting smaller when we're getting bigger. Um, So why is that? Why is uh, growing in one direction as a population considered an asset, considered a good thing, and not not growing in the other direction? And that's, I know the answer to that question. (laughs) I'm not asking (laughs) the real question. Again, it's it's that weight cycling industry, the angst industrial complex, I call it. Um, they want us to feel inferior and less than, and they want us to make everybody else feel the same way because that's that's how they make their money. Um, and we, at some point, fail to realize how much that affects us. It affects us in every way. It affects our well-being. It affects our health. Um, it affects our sex lives. If if you don't love your own body, it's going to be 
challenging to fully appreciate a partner loving it. Uh, And physical self-loathing creates a huge hurdle to having a fulfilled sex life. And that's very important. That's extremely important in, in every aspect of our life to be fulfilled in that way. Love and sex are nothing to sneeze at, unless that's what you're into. I was just going to say. <laughs> yeah, we're looking at some of the comments in the chat room. <clears throat> and uh, uh, back to, oh, no, they're, 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 they're pretty, uh, for the most part, well, I, I, wanna, I wanted to mention that uh, Geek Pile Radio is actually in the chat room. Hello, Geek Pile Radio. Um, and they, are, they were going back to saying, if you uh, try to find the origin of formula for calories, it's very eye-opening, you know, um, with uh, the, the whole caloric intake thing and, and just mm-hmm. just like the BMI, um, you know, measurements, it's it's not not a good standard to use. But anyway, uh, another thing that came from Impact, um, who's in our chat room, he's saying, I would like to say one thing in defense of doctors, which is that some, and he's got the bunny ears too, suggest weight loss. <laughs> because they will often see patients come in with repeated symptoms that are related to obesity. I don't mean that there isn't weight bias, just that some doctors have good intentions. What would you ladies um, say to that? I would suggest that they perhaps stay a bit um, more effectively up to date on uh, on reading current studies, because uh, much has been debunked about things that were previously thought of as being connected in a causal way to size. Um, A great resource that I would recommend to everyone, not just to doctors, um, is a website called uh, sizediversityandhealth.org. And they have a great resource list where you can read the actual studies for yourself and, and not the way they're spun on on TV news, for example, um, and and see what what studies say about the fact that weight is a poor indicator of one's health, and many of the things that that people used to think were associated with size, it just has never been proven. We uh, we often still think of uh, of them as being connected causally connected, but they're just not. There's n- it's never been proven. So I would encourage medical practitioners to stay um, perhaps more up-to-date on, on current studies and findings and debunkings. That, and I will, I will echo that. I'm, a, I'm an ASDA member of the Association of Science Diversity and Health. Excellent. Um, yep, I love it. I paid my dues and I vote and everything. So, um they they really do have some great studies and i i previously worked for a um, a medical society here in seattle um helping doctors actually find their continuing education that they're required to have every year um none none of them during the period i was there requested information on education pertaining to weight um obesity management nutrition um none of them it's all on whatever the new specialty might be or adding kind of almost concierge level um, care to your patients, like how to provide a better waiting room experience and 
which I'm not, you know, sure there's value there, but not, but if you're not looking into um, newer studies and by newer, I mean, since they left med school, which for some of them could be two years for some of them, it could have been 30, 40, 50 years. Yeah. And if if you're not keeping up to date on those things, exactly like what you said, you're not going to see that there's, been a whole lot of research done and it's been you know debunked that obese equals unhealthy it's obese is a measurement it is not a diagnosis that should be applied to someone with a death sentence attached i think i would also include in addition to encouraging doctors to study more and look at their more current research to also ask their patient develop that relationship with them on well do you believe or are you happy with your weight? How are you feeling about your body right now? And what are the other symptoms that you're having? How are you actually feeling? Not just, oh, you're presenting with, um, well, it looks like you have polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS, and that's because you're fat. Well, sure, it's attached to um, some obese women do tend to get PCOS, but so do women who have hypo or hyperthyroid or had Graves' disease that translated into PCOS later. And a doctor that is confident enough in their ability to treat diseases and not just go for the low-hanging fruit of, well, you look fat, so that must be it. Mm-hmm. That is the kind of doctor that I would want to personally go see. And not enough research is being done uh, as far as what causes, which causes what. Um, right. Because there, you know, there's a lot more money in just making making fat people thin, or making them temporarily thin, or making getting them on that hamster wheel of weight cycling because that's that's where the money is. Um, but I I've never been I've never met a doctor that intimidated me. But I'm very much in the minority. I think maybe and mine do not give me shit about my weight. And I, I don't know why that is. I think they're maybe a little bit afraid of me because I go prepared. Um, and I, I recently changed doctors, as I mentioned earlier, and I felt so confident sitting in that new waiting room about to see a new doctor, thinking it's unfortunate most fat people would be really nervous in this situation because yeah. they would be anticipating a problem or a pushback. But I felt prepared. I was ready for a lecture that I did not get. Um, but it's it's always good to go prepared. I know too many fat people who've let doctors intimidate them, and what happens ultimately is very bad for their health because they sometimes leave and never go back to the doctor, and that's a mistake. Definitely. And again, in the words in the nomenclature in the words they use. Um, if you're using the word overweight, it might it might be what you use on the daily, but it is a term of judgment. It suggests that there's an agreed-upon size beyond which you mustn't exist. And the word obese pathologizes something that is natural, a naturally occurring point on the spectrum of benign human size variation. And we don't think of it in those terms. And a lot of Good, well-meaning people use those words. A lot of fat people still use those words. But, but there's a consequence to using words that beat you down like that. That's a part of minority stress mm-hmm. in action. We are fat. I am fat. Fat, fat, fat. 
<laughs> so l- let me ask, um, although our, our uh, chat room listeners tonight are pretty forward-thinking and cosmopolitan guys, um, I'm guessing the rest of the Internet is probably not quite as uh, progressive. <laughs> um, and you've probably had a couple of trolls over the years based on the work that you do. But, one, you know, one of the things I've heard about the type of work that you do is – uh, you're fetishizing fat people. All, all you're doing is, you know, the, all you're doing is appealing to people with with fat fetishes. Um, how, I mean, how do you kind of respond to that and, and combat that kind of a feedback? Um, well, the first thing I do is I'm I'm very sex positive, and I would first encourage people to learn the difference between a fetish and a preference. One fetishizes fat, not a person, not a fat partner, but fat itself. And one with a preference prefers a fat partner. Um, And there might be some overlap sometimes, but it's important to understand the distinction between a fetish and a preference. And I tell people to think of it this way. Someone who prefers redheads prefers partners with red hair, whereas a fetishist might just want to fuck a bag of wigs and that'll be fine (laughs) with them. And there's nothing wrong with either, but the distinction is important because um, partnering with a a fetishist is not for everyone. Uh, It's something that some people might want to avoid, but it's good for them to know that people who have a preference for a fat partner and fetish doesn't enter into it. And, And the reverse is also true. A great many people in this world have no physical preference when selecting a partner, none at all. Um, But it's important that you understand and have compassion for people for whom that is not the case. A lot of people are only going to be interested in someone who conforms to um, the body that they fantasize about. And that doesn't mean that they're going that that's the only deciding factor um, when they choose with whom they're going to enter into a relationship with. A physical preference is what gets you to cross a room to talk to someone who's caught your eye at a party. But if they then open their mouth and um, tell you that you know they they voted for the quivering cocktail weenie who's current president then you're going to move on, you know. I mean, unless unless you're a sociopath or, or just looking for a quick, zipless romp, you're going to move on. Um, their their body is not the only the only factor in choosing a mate, but it's, it's what catches your eye. And uh, for people who don't experience that at all, don't have a, a physical preference, it can be hard to understand um, the power of having a physical preference. And you have to understand that a great many people have that powerful drive to partner with someone uh, who has a body like they see in their fantasy. Right. It, well, it's great you if you don't. Well, um, the, the, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm making this up, but would you would you think that your work is primarily designed to... Um, to, to I guess to to um, to show the positive side of the models, whereas I would assume on fetish sites it's more about the viewer, you know, than than the model. Is you know, is, is that? Yeah, I'm angle? not I'm not catering to the male gaze 
in any regard. Um, it, it's if anything, I'm catering to the adiposers, to the people who contact me to to pose for the site because it's again I have to use the word journey, sorry, but it's their journey that I'm all about. Um, so they're not thinking about. Uh, what's going on in the head of the people who are going to be seeing these photos. I'm not thinking about it. Um, but I do, I do tell them, you know, that's part of that long list of things to consider before you say yes to me. I tell them people are going to wank to this photo. Is this just the way it is? People are going to wank <laughs> to your photo. So, you know, you need to be, you need to make peace with that if you're going to be an adiposer, because once it's out in the world, I no longer have control over how people interpret it. Um, so, but that's, you know, I mean, people went to photos of women stomping on bugs and uh, pumping their gas pedal. I mean, you know, you, it doesn't, it shouldn't affect the rest of us. Um, it's their right. If you, you know, if you uh, have a fetish, that's fine with me. It should be fine with everyone as long as it's victimless. Um, and this is victimless, but it's always good to remember this, the difference. I think it's it's really good that you. It's a good segue here. Um, I'm reading a comment that we got on our our Heroes 101 Radio Facebook page. Um, uh, someone said, um, his name's Robert Frost. He said, "Gotta say this: body positivity is good in theory, but doesn't it inadvertently say it's okay to promote unhealthy living or glorify obesity?" Um, and sorry, I hear my husband from the upstairs. He says, fuck that guy. Um, I also want to say, fuck that guy. Can I say that? Fuck that guy. You sure can. Um, and I do too. Um, that's something that you hear a lot, especially you mentioned, you know, some of the the newer fat activists that are coming through, like someone like a, like the model Tess Munster, you know, Tess Holiday, Mm -hmm. Tess Munster. Um, and when she's, she's got her model management, um, signing with milk model management out of London and people are saying, Oh, you're just glorifying obesity. Um, and now, you know, this guy coming in and saying it, that it's unhealthy living. Um, could you speak to that on what your, your thoughts are and how body positivity is just promoting some unhealthy thing and it's really, we're hurting society. People like that gentleman is doing right now are parroting what they hear um, without following the money, without thinking about what motivates people to say that. Um, they believe that I have explained it. I have, I've cited um, uh, studies showing people how there is, has never been proven a causal connection between uh, ill health and weight. Yes, I get it. I get it. Every point they say, yes, I get it. I'm with you. I'm with you. I get it. And then at the end they'll stop and say, yeah, but not really, right? Because it's so counterintuitive. If you've grown up in this culture, um, this this um, uh, weight-conscious culture, it's so counterintuitive to disconnect those two. And that's what that gentleman in your on your uh, um, who's chatting now is responding to. But that doesn't make it true, and we have to push back against that. That guy is a tool of the angst industrial complex and we have to push back against that it's um it's important there's no other way definitely it affects you right okay sorry there's a three-way for a second there 
Um, I want to say I, I saw the, the, the comment and who it was from, and I, the, what I know about that guy is he, he runs a uh, fitness group on Facebook that many people I know are, are a part of, and I know he's, he's uh, spent a good amount of time uh, putting on muscle. I'll, I'll yeah. put it that way. So I, well, I, you, I see you, where he's coming from, and I don't think he means to to shame, but I think you're right when you say he's parroting what he's, you know, the information he has to go on. Yeah, there, there are lots of people. I'm I'm related to some of them. I love some of them. Lots of people who um, uh, they may look like concern trolls to us, but they are earnest. Some of them are earnest in their concern, but that does not make what they're saying the truth. And we have to be mindful of uh, our own critical thinking and encourage their critical thinking and understand you, you mentioned briefly earlier, jokingly that we might have encountered trolls um, in our, and yes, I've encountered, I've been knee deep in trolls. Um, and I've, you know, I've had death threats. I've had um, uh, um, web groups talk about how they might kill me, um, actually in comical ways. And, they, you know, some of them have calculated um, how exactly I would die if they dropped me from this, you know, level into a body of water. Um, so, yeah, wow. I get it. I get it on the regular. I get it on the regular. I'm constantly having to issue cease and desist orders for people using my photographs um, for ridicule. And I, I try, I don't want to dive into where they're coming from, but I do try to be mindful that many of these people are coming from a place of tremendous unhappiness um, and tremendous dissatisfaction with their own bodies. And I think a lot of it is hate, but a lot more of it is just garden variety fear. They fear becoming us. And as long as we're visible and unapologetic, it's a more constant reminder that anybody can become us. And they don't like that because they realize that a tremendous amount of their self-worth is tied up in what they look like. And so it makes them tremendously uncomfortable to think about themselves ever being fat. So naturally they're going to lash out at the reminders of fatness. Um, and they're going to do things like, you know, like the death threats and um, all the trolling activities. Not an excuse, but an explanation. And... <laughs> We got a little break in the. No one wants to talk over anyone else. No one does. We we all we we all sound the same. We all say it at the same time. Um, you know, I, I must yeah. admit, I was in stunned silence over death threats and very specific death threats over mm-hmm. yeah. to a photographer. Yeah. I mean, what? Yeah. Some of them have been. Some of them, uh, you know, I don't take seriously at all. Most I don't take seriously at all. But there have been. Um, there was one a couple of years ago when I and, uh, and the author Kim Brittingham were going to lecture at a college in Hartford, um, and uh, one of the students posted on uh, one of the skankier web forums 
that he asked for suggestions as to how he might stop those bitches from speaking at my school. And so, you know, some people were competing with one another, coming up with funny ways to disrupt the day. But some people, someone finally took the bait and said, why can't you just kill them? So then the discussion became killing us. And um, it got reported to the school and they reported it to the police department and the police department investigated and, of course, you know, couldn't find the source of the post because, you know, it's, it was done anonymously. But um, the school took it seriously. The police department took it seriously, and they sent out a detail to watch us. And I knew that the chance of anything happening as a result was very, very low. Um, but I was, I was heartened by the fact that the authorities took it seriously. But, that, uh. but even, even knowing that or feeling confident that no one was going to actually kill us. It's, it's still a part of minority stress and marginalization of fat people. And that's the purpose of it. Like I might not really be willing to kill you, but I'm definitely going to try to knock you off balance by threatening to. Um, and, you know, these are, I think of them as sad people. Some of them are going to be dangerous, but most of them are just, just not, they're just sad Now, you know, that's a fun point, way to end this. No, yeah, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, you know, I God, I wish we had had scheduled a 2 hour for this one cuz that topic right there I want to I want to continue <laughs> with um but I'm sitting here listening to the whole thing and then I hear the 90 seconds and I'm going, "What? What? How did that happen?" Oh. Um, yeah, exactly. So th- that's always a great sign though, isn't it, Specter? When when we go, "When the hell did this show come to the end so um, <laughs> yes indeed yeah so with that I think we need to start making our closing statements here so well, yeah. I mean I, I guess um, I did want to just do a quick shout out I would um, I would definitely thank Substantia for joining us but I think one thing I wanted to do was just plug the fact that you have your, your calendar on your website on addedpositivity.com you have the, the Valentine starting as well um, and you're doing a, a free lecture in New York City at the Marymount Manhattan College on February 8th as well, which uh, Aren't I'm actually going to try to get you information. myself. Please do come. It's free and open to the public on the 8th at 10 a.m. at Marymount Manhattan College. And I would and complete with a huge slideshow of naked fat people. Yay! That's fun. Yes, oh, yay for I naked fat go. people. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Hey! What is oh, that? Man. Okay, ignore <laughs> that thing because even though it says we're not on the air, it'll still record the, us, and um, when we have it in the archive, this will still be part of the show. So, um, yeah. Ignore well, that. I love that the last thing people listening live heard was naked fat people. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. I think that that makes me happy. Perfect. I'm satisfied. Oh, well, I, I absolutely, I, God, you know, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, following Crystal for so long um, in her blog, you know, I'm going, I probably will hear um, a lot of the same affirmations that I've heard, but you know what, I've learned so much tonight, and I have a lot to think about, I was, I kept doodling the word think, 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 you know, as, as you guys were talking, so thank you 
so much, both of you, for coming on here. And, um, yeah, we've never talked on, about this subject before, and I'm really glad that we did. Very glad. Thank you. Thank you so and much I'm, for having me. I'm Absolutely. So yeah, I want to say thanks as well and to thank, uh, thank Crystal yeah. from uh, Bigger Expectations and the Washington Initiative for coming on and all of our chat room guests, as usual, who can't even hear us now. Exactly. <laughs> That's okay. They'll hear it in the archive. And I want to say that I'm jealous that, that the, the talk is going to be in New York on my co-host side of the country and I'm way over here in California so I got to follow you more substantial and find when you're going to be in California so I get to come to a talk too. You so. do that. <laughs> yeah, it happen. Exactly. So thank you ladies and, and I believe with that I want to tell everybody to have a beautiful rest of the week and um, you know if, you, if you're feeling any of what the, the our two wonderful guests described you know just not happy about your body because of western standards you know what check out both of their sites and and the word journey i hear you Sancha, <laughs> but i if if it helps you on your journey to to you know have some enlightenment about all of this i i i can't believe that it would do anything but good for you so please we encourage you to check them out and where did my co-host go? I don't know. <laughs> I'm, still here. I'm still here. Oh, there you go. Okay, well, I'm done ranting. And <laughs> I, thought, I thought you wrapped up better than I ever could. So we'll say goodnight to everybody, and we will be back, same bat time, same bat channel next week, to talk about uh, the Women's March and feminism and uh, what we're doing next uh, to, to, to show that that wasn't just a single day of unity, that we're going to take that positive energy and move it forward. So we'll be covering that off next week. Great. Exactly. Everybody have a great week. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you too. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.